Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You are listening to episode 47. This is the first part of a special double feature that we have coming for you today. I am Peter Thompson. This is all you'll be hearing from me today. We have Adi Bulubasis and Kosta Levoyanis on deck, ready to interview Swedish international and Olympiakos player Per Zetterberg. Per is our third player special guest. We are very excited to talk to him. And after this episode, we have another one coming out today with a little bit of post-game for the two most recent Olympiakos games. Enjoy the episode. We will be starting the interview very soon. And now we have our special guest. Uh, it took uh, about a week, or actually, no, it was about a few days of guessing, but everybody everybody did eventually get it when Gustav put the graphic up. We have Per Zetterberg here, uh, our special guest. Per, thank you so much for joining. It is an honor to have you here and to discuss football with you, as, let alone Olympiakos football. Thank you again for joining us. How are you doing tonight? Uh, hello. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, getting older, but I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. And I was very happy when you asked me to be, be part of this, this show. Well, we love to get feedback. We love to hear from former players of Ribiakos. Mm-hmm. The audience loves to hear what you thought when you were playing for Ribiakos, what it felt like to play, especially with your your teammates, what the atmosphere felt like. But before we get started with that, we wanted to start yeah. off with some background about you. Um, okay. So how did you get started playing football? I started to play football when I was six years old in, in a small team here in Sweden where, where I'm living now, uh, who played at that time in uh, third division. If you think that Olympiakos is first division, they have second, they have third division. And there I reached uh, the first team of them when I was 15. I played a tournament with national team of the youth in Sweden and that you play every year in, in one of the uh, Nordic countries. And that year it was in Denmark. I did a very good tournament over there and I was a scout from Anderlecht who was over there. So they asked me to come to their club, Anderlecht, uh, when I was 16. So when I was 16, I went to Andrev to play in the youth teams over there. I uh, played two years in the youth teams, and when I was 18, I went up to the first team. And that's the start of my career, really. And after that, it, it, it went in, in one direction that I came in the first team when I was 18. Uh, I was not a regular playing in the first team, but because of that time, the late 80s, beginning of the 90s, Anlef was one of the big teams in Europe. You know, they were always in yeah. semi-final, always in the finals of the European Cup. So that was really one of the best teams in Europe at that time. It was very difficult to uh, to take a place. Uh, so they rented me uh, to Charleroi for two years when I was young because I needed to have some, some playing uh, experience. So I played there for two years and after that I came back to Anlef where I had... Uh, a starting place from 93. I live in Belgium. I've been living in Brussels the last 13 years. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, I know that you're, you're, you're a legend here, uh, having played 13 years for Anderlecht. Uh, unfo- well, I, I unfortunately never, never got to see you play uh, here, but, uh, but I did 
as a as an Olympiakos fan. So I okay. I'm born in the UK, Olympiakos fan. My family's Greek. Ari is in the States, in in Maryland. Okay. So we're yep. we're four people. Uh, one of us is in Canada, one is in the States, one is in Geneva in Switzerland, and I'm in and I'm in Belgium. So yeah, yeah, that was a little bit amazing by by greek supporters i mean in every team there's always supporters everywhere where you're going yep uh, yeah. that's very amazing i have to say if you still go on playing sweden you have greek supporters <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it is like that it's you have greek people everywhere this is true somebody told some somebody told me that the third biggest city in the world greek city is melbourne yeah it's true yes it's huge so yeah. i mean there's Greek people everywhere. This is true. Yeah. This we is find true. our way everywhere. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all, we're all over the place. Oh, per, I have ahead. to. I have to give you warm regards from Stelios Yanakopoulos. Yeah, Stelios. Yeah. Who's a good friend, and we had him on yeah. the show about a month or two ago. Uh, I spoke okay. with him a little bit earlier, and I told him that we're going to be having you on the show today. And he he sends you his his best uh, warm regards to you and your family. Yeah, send him my regards also. It's a long time since I talked to him. It's many years ago. It's uh, You can't have contact with everyone. It's no, true. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and also you get older, you know. It's 20 <laughs> years ago when I played over there. We, we start to get old. <laughs> uh, my, my generation starts to get very old so. all, all of us all of us are starting yeah. to get old. Actually, the other two that are not here with us today, they're... I think they're they're ten years younger than us, huh? So they're they're, they're in their okay. mid twenties. So I I just turned thirty one. They're a few years younger than me. They were really young back then. So they they were uh, top. They toddlers. were still, they were still in their diapers. I'm I'm thirty five. Yeah, yeah, then <laughs> you were still young when when I was playing there. So you yep. know, time time goes quick. Uh, it goes very quick. Uh, yeah. And it was a lot more difficult to watch the games back then, too. I was uh, in uh, middle school or uh, high school, like upper school here, we call it. Yeah. And uh, I remember I always used to have to go. My grandfather had the the antenna satellite yeah, package. Yeah, yeah, so I had to go yeah. to his house to watch the games all the time. Yeah, I remember it because I, I had the same antenna to have some Swedish TV when I was in, <laughs> uh, in Athens. Yeah. It was exactly the same, and it was so difficult with everything. And even with the computer and internet, was oh, was a big problem. DSL? No, it's not like today, man. I was just, <laughs> yeah, no, it, not at all. With a wide it, with a wide modem connection, my god. Yeah, it, it's so easy. You can watch everything now if if you want to do it. Um, I I, t I tell you what, funny story. The the three nil Rizupoli game. Yeah. I uh, our satellite was broken. And I had no. to I had to find a dodgy site, and I watched it in my small bedroom in London with my father and one of my father's yeah. friends, and the yeah. the bit frame was all you know just crap, and and you, you know that game was crazy, wasn't it? With the I mean all the confetti at the beginning and all the atmosphere around uh, it, it was. <laughs> it was I think was one of the historical game I ever played, because you played in Rizupoli, and you know it takes yeah. what twenty thousand people. Yeah. And we heard before the game, because it was decisive of the championship, because Panathinaik was leading in front of us, and we had to win 2-0 two, two or something, because we lost the first game in, um, in Panathinaikos. Uh, 
and there was demands for 200,000 tickets or something before the game. Oof. It was crazy. It was really crazy. And uh, so we were all motivated. My father was on the game, I remember. Uh, wow. And we came to the stadium. And as I told you, it was 20,000 people. I think, I think it was six or 8,000 policemen on the game. I, I believe it. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And, you know, it was confetti. It was firecrackers. It was everything on it. And I think that the, the players of Panathinaikos were so impressed by the atmosphere, even in a small stadium, that, you know, we had already won the game before it started. Honestly, I, I believe so. Even, even that we did a very good game. That, that for sure, we win 3-0. It could have been more, but uh, it was a real fantastic game. And if it should have been playing in the big uh, Athens Stadium, then it should be crazy. It should explode everything. Absolutely. Per, you, you played for Anderlecht for, I think, all in all, 13 years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, many years. Many years. 13 years at Anderlecht, and I think it's safe to say you're, you're a legend in, in, in Anderlecht. And um, yeah. I, my question is the following. You've obviously been around Belgian football for such a long time. Yeah. Did you, did you ever expect the level of the players coming out of Belgium and looking at the Belgian national team today, did you ever expect the country's football product to explode in these previous years the way it has done? You know, Belgium had uh, difficulties, you know. Uh, they had a very good generation when I was young. When I came there at 16, you know, there were many good players uh, at that time. And then they had some difficult years in the late 90s, uh, beginning of 2000 and things like that. Then it started again, but that it became so good as they are now, I think that that doesn't happen very often if you're not Germany or, you know, Spain or something like that. Uh, this is, or, or, or Holland. But this is a big surprise, but, you know, there's more and more youngest who's coming up from the Belgian football. One of the reasons, I think, that the Belgium clubs doesn't have so much money like the big competition has. So they are a little bit obliged to give them the chances. The young Belgium footballer have the chance now to play in the first teams of the Belgium competition. And that's one of the reasons why it's so many of them. Per, I wanted to ask, um, mm -hmm. you played, uh, as long as I watch, you were always a midfielder. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you start out as a midfielder or did you grow into that role elsewhere? When did you first know that you were a midfielder or an attacking-oriented midfielder? Uh, I started as a striker, really, when oh, I was wow. young. Yeah, when I was young, I scored a lot of goals. I was very egoist. I always wanted to score goals, uh, really, since I was young. And one time when I was 11 or something, one of my friends told me that one of the midfielders in our team was was injured so he said it's better that you go down in the midfield now we need you in the midfield so at the age of 11 i started to play as a midfielder um, so offensive midfield as a number 10 if you say like that and uh, since when i was 11 i've always been playing at that position and uh, that went on when i was also in underleft because there you have really 
as a number 10, you are the key of the team, really. So everything yes. has to go through you. And that suits my way of playing. I, I was that kind of a player who needed to have a free role uh, to be to be the, the brain behind the team, if you say like that. Oh, exactly. That's, I agree that, with you that, all, 100%. That's my team. of. That's my way of playing, you know. I was not a defensive player. I couldn't run behind a, uh, somebody and tackle and things like that. That that was not my game. I could score goals and I can give assists. That was my game. It's like a quarterback, really, in uh, yes. in American football. You made the team tick. I never, re- I never remember you being really an uh, an egotistical footballer at all. I just remember you being the guy pulling the strings. Always- yeah, I, 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 I really love to give assists. Sometimes maybe too much instead of scoring goals. <laughs> that was maybe the problem sometimes. But I love to give a good assist. That was, I had so much fun doing it. I enjoyed so much to see somebody else being happy by scoring a goal and giving a nice assist. I love doing it. You did, and you had some magical, magical plays behind the defense. I remember quite a few of them. Now, one quick question I had before we continue is. Yeah. With the way the number ten has kind, the number ten position has kind of evolved in modern football. Yeah. What is your opinion on that? How much has that role changed from when you played as a number ten? It has changed a lot. You know, uh, the the former number tens like like myself were doesn't really exist in that way. You know, the number ten from today is or they're playing on the side by coming inside the field to try to find a free role because you don't have the free role because the, the game has become so physical, has become so quick. Uh, so you can't afford to have a player like me at the time. We're only doing one part of the, the thing, you know, playing offensively. You can't afford it. So they put them on the side. And also, if you see that the, the stopper in the team from today's football are really the players who have the most of the ball. If you think like Van Dijk in Liverpool, he he's putting the strength everywhere where he is. So he he's the playmaker from today's football. So it has changed so much. Uh, I don't think that I could have played the same way in today's football like I did 20 years ago. You have to change your way of playing because the football is totally different. I, I still think that in the modern game, you could play for sure. Uh, there's a player that you played with who, for me, uh, is possibly one of the best footballers I've ever seen live. And that was Giovanni. I don't know if you were, yeah. if you guessed I was about to say that. But the things that he did with the football, I, I, I'd never yeah. seen before. I think the first footballer I fell in love with was Eric Cantona. And yeah. uh, ever since I've been a, I mean, Olympiacos fan, my, my father took me to a stadium when I was four years old. I remember seeing this guy in 99 when he joined us and the things he did with the football were just, you know, nutmegging three players one after the other and then chipping people from 40 yards. Just unbelievable. He couldn't play in the modern game. Uh, although I have seen some pictures and videos of him working out on Instagram and I think he looks fitter now than he did when he was playing football. But Yeah, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's only my way of saying that the way that we were playing that at that time, it's totally different than now. If you know that the physical level that and the physical training that they have now and all the programs and all the things that they had 
should have helped our game also in today's football. But maybe that we had to play in a different way than we did at that time. Because the football is so much physical and so much quicker than at that time. That doesn't mean that the football is better today than it was before. It's not, that's what I'm saying. But I say that the footballer, the players are physically stronger than, in today's football than we maybe were at that time. It's the only thing I'm saying. I, I, d- I don't know how much you, you follow or watch the team recently, but we have a number 10 in our team, no. Costas Fortunis. He's been at the club for a while. He's uh, actually a product of our youth academy. He spent some time in Germany before, before coming back. And now he's really, you know, the guy that makes things tick. And for, for a lot of years, he was, he was criticised as being physically too weak, mentally too weak, uh, not good enough to be captain or didn't have the mental capability to be captain. And the last couple of years, he's really come into his own. I don't, I don't know if you've, if you've watched many of our games, or if you have an opinion on him. I, I only see, you know, in Champions League and things like that. It's the only thing. And I'm still in contact with Caron uh, He's still on every game. He's sitting on the bench, so <laughs> he's still a good, very good friend of mine. So I still talk to him. So I know a little bit about what happens in Olympiakos, uh, but I can't say on players on players because I don't follow it so much. I know that they have a very good team. That they are, I think, twelve points ahead of Ike or something, depending what if Ike win today or yesterday. I don't know. Uh, so Olympiakos is still, you know. It's a special thing to play in Olympiacos, especially if you see in today's football, you're going to get criticised if you play bad. Yes. It, it is like that. You play in a big club, you play in the biggest club in Greece, uh, who has supporters everywhere, and they expect always the best of you. And when you don't do it, okay, you're going to get criticised. But I'm sure that every player who plays in Olympiacos has something in themselves to do it. Some will succeed because the pressure is there. Some can't cope with it. That's normal. And then you have the pressure on it. Uh, I can only say that he, Fortunas, uh, he, you know, I had difficulties in the beginning with all the pressure that was, you know, it, it was difficult. I had to say it myself. But when you learn it, you come into it and you understand how the players want to play and how the supporters want you to play and things like that. And when all settles and when you feel yourself at home, then your real you is going to show it. And he is showing that now. And that, I think, is totally normal from player to player. I'm not going to lie. When you arrived, it didn't seem like you were struggling when you first came in. It seemed like you were made to play in Greece. Yeah, in the first couple of months, yeah. The first, uh, we had Matsurakis as a trainer at that time. Yeah. Uh, and it started very well, and then he was fired because we had some bad results. Uh, and he was fired, and then you have to say that Niniade started to play very well. Yeah, and he, he he played better than I did. And you know, then you lose confidence, and that didn't happen in Anderlecht. And they were sitting on the bench, and that was something that you were not uh, used to do. And you didn't play like you wanted to do and you lose confidence and, you know, it, it worked downhill, if you want to say. And in the end, it was playing better and I was playing worse. And it was a difficult period. 
and it was normal that uh, you start to get criticized and things like that. Uh, and it was difficult. Uh, but I'm happy that I turned that around and that I ended in a good way instead of started in a good way and ended in a bad way. Because then maybe, you know, the supporters and things like that, when I left, they, they have a good remembering by the way that I was playing. I think so. I, I think, um, I mean, obviously we've transitioned into your time at Olympiagos already. Um, and I, I think, I remember you having some, some difficulties with Lemonis as a coach. Uh, or at least maybe <laughs> when 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 when, when Lemonis came in, I think the second season we had Manchester United in our Champions League group, and I and I I just yeah. I, I remember there was there was something going on with you, and you you didn't seem um, at your at your at your best at the time. Yeah. So yeah. I was actually going to ask you like how was your you know your transition and how long it took you to to fully adjust, and like you said, really get to know the expectations of the club, the pressure, how the team plays, what the fans expect and 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 the pressure which you, you talked about already. But but before we we dive into all of that a little bit more, how did you end up in Greece after so many years at Anderlecht? Um how how did it how did it come about? Was it end of contract at Anderlecht? No you had some offers? I still I still I, I had many offers uh, when I was there. Uh you know, Anderlecht has been so many years my, my home and I felt really well over there. And then it came and the offer from Olympiakos. And uh, that was an offer that I have seen them play the year before in the Champions League and like that, uh, where they did very well. And I, I, I heard about the players who was coming in and I was tempted to do it because I was thought to get 30 years old. If I wanted to go somewhere at that time, that was the club who was the most interesting for me to go. Uh, as me and my my wife, uh, we love Greece from before to go on vacation. So we said, it can be a nice adventure to go over there. And it's the biggest club in Greece. So I said, it should be nice to, to try it out. And, and, and I don't regret it. You know, I had three wonderful years, even that I had difficult years, one and a half, I can say, one and a half difficult years. But it ended in, in a fantastic way. So uh, you, you forget quickly then the one and a half years difficulties that you had. You already discussed a little bit kind of the, the pressure that you felt when you came to Olympiacos. And I wanted to know if it was, if there was kind of a difference in the culture of football when you came to Greece compared to Belgium or Sweden when you initially played? Was was there a big difference in the way the culture surrounding football in Greece compared to the other two countries you played in? Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, I'm the first. If I do a bad pass or anything, if I do a bad shot, I, I say, sorry, it's my fault. Uh, no problem. That's, everyone do mistakes. You know, mistakes is a part of the game. And uh, I was a little bit surprised in that in, in the beginning how, how to react because Greek people are very proud people. You know, uh, and in the beginning, you know, I, I still remember it like, like yesterday and I, I still explain this. Uh, one of the first games that I was playing 
I give a ball. I don't mention any names because names I don't want to mention. But this is a little bit how Greek people see themselves. There's nothing bad on it. It's no critics, but this is a little bit like this. I give a pass to one of our players. He controlled the ball without anyone next to him. Very good. He controlled him. The field in Waka is perfect. You know, short grass, perfect. He gave a ball to one of the wing players. But at the time, he gave it too far. So it went out to the stadium. You know, it went too far. He looked to me and blamed that it was a bad pass of me. And I said, <laughs> fucking hell, me? I gave you a good pass and you give a bad pass. And that's my fault. I, Come on. So I said, okay. They don't like to put the blame on themselves. They always try to put the blame on somebody else. And that's a little bit, and that's a little bit the Greek culture, you know, in the beginning. So you have to get used to it. Yeah. You are laughing. Because <laughs> you're absolutely correct. That's why I'm laughing. So, so that's, that was a little bit of a surprise for me in the beginning that I start to blame you, even if it's not your mistake. Because I'm, I'm used to say, okay, sorry, it's my, it's my mistake. It's no problem. Mistakes happen. But uh, that was a big surprise in the beginning. So, so that's how it is. You've given us a good one there. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm having a riddle thinking about who that might have been. <laughs> yeah, that was. I no, was. I don't, I don't mention any names. I don't mention names. <laughs> but um, you, you talked about the pressure before, and obviously, you know, in, in Greece, at yes. the time there were more sports newspapers than there are today. Uh, there's yeah. still a lot. There's still a lot, lot, lot of sp sports papers, but there are you know less after the crisis hit. Um, but how how do you remember your 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 first derby? I mean, I'm. This is obviously going back some years now, and I I can't remember which one your first derby was, but I remember some really epic games. Three 0 at Rizupoli. I think there was a there was a fantastic game. I think you were involved in Olympiakos Ayek. At yes. the Olympic Stadium, four, Five, four three, four three, four three, four three, three yeah. with an yeah. Alexandris scissor kick, yeah. I think, at the end to yeah. win it. I yeah. mean, uh, what what are your what are your feelings like? Do you get uh, you get goosebumps? I get goosebumps thinking about these games. Like, what was it like for you? Well, those are fantastic, and I still remember those games. You know, uh, those are historical games. There, there are some games that you still remember. You remember the six two. Against Leverkusen, who was in the final in the Champions League just the year before. That was one. And I remember 3-0 in Rizopoli. That game I remember the best because that was a historical game. Uh, we had to win those game and with the atmosphere in a small stadium in Rizopoli. And yeah, it was fantastic. And the 4-3 in Waka against uh, a very good Ike at that time. You have Nic Nicolaidis, you had Zartas, uh, I think, at that time. And, had a very good team, so uh, fantastic. But at that time, we had a fantastic team also in Olympiacos. Really, really good players. You uh, really did. Th that team was uh, incredible. Yeah, fantastic players. Djordjevic, mm -hmm. for me, one of the best players I ever played with. Uh, fantastic. Uh, many good players. You had Carambu, you had Giovanni, you had name it. In every position, you have a good player. 
Absolutely. So it was uh, it was really a great pleasure to have been playing with with those players. And then oh, then afterwards, uh, Greece won the uh, European Championship. <laughs> yeah, not too long yeah. after that. So I mean, we had a quality side. It was really quality side. I think people you know, people forget actually the level of the league back then. The teams yeah. were good. Like Ajax yeah. had a really good team. You mentioned yeah. some of their players, like Sartas, uh, Demis Nikolaidis up front. Uh, that was a really good Ajax team. And Panathinaikos had a good team as well. Yeah. They had a yeah. good team. Maybe the northern teams weren't as good as they are now. Now the northern yeah. teams are basically trying to to kick us off our, yeah. our mantle. Yeah, Pope was okay at that time. Not not like they are now, but you know Panathinaikos and Ajax. They went really far in European Cups also. Uh, and, you know, like I told you, 2004 it was when Greece won it in, in Portugal. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, many of the teams, many of the players were still playing in Greece, in the competition of Greece at that time. So, the yeah. level of competition, like you were saying, was, was very high. And uh, at that time, even the... The supporters from the visitor teams could go on the on the visitor games. So you had the Olympiaco supporters in in Thessaloniki or in 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 uh, in Ike games in Philadelphia. And so it was it was nice. The level was very good. And was fun to play. It was fun to play honestly. Uh, I have a a personal question to ask you, and you yeah. don't have to answer this, but. Um, I think this is quite inspiring. And if, if I'm not mistaken, you actually, you have diabetes, right? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, as a, as a footballer, how did, how, how, has this, how did this affect you um, as, as a professional? Uh, it's not very common to, to have diabetes and play professional football. So I had to learn no. the way that suits me the best. You know, I had to treat myself what I eat. Uh, take the rest when I need to take it uh, control my body all the time uh, if my sugar level was high, low, whatever it was so I had to try to be as professional as I could be even even more maybe than, than a normal person but that was my way of living and I was used to it, to do it in that way, in that way. at that time it was more difficult than it is today because today it's, it's, it's you have better insulin than at that time you had a uh, you can control it much better today. Uh, so, okay, it, it's a disease. It's a serious disease. But I don't think that I could have done a career like I did if I didn't have it. Because I don't know anything else. I, I got it when I was 19. So, I have I've, I've done all my career with diabetic. So, so that, that says a lot about who you are not just as a as a player but as a person and I mean yeah. as a player we always saw someone who was just a 100% professional and, and gave everything you had so I, I think yeah. that, I think that's I, inspiring for, for anybody that, that might be young and aspiring footballer that could have that condition or something else that you know you need to have that that discipline and and mindset like you did I, I think I think I tried to do the best that I could of with my situation, with the disease that I had, I, I tried to be as respectful like, that I could be towards my teammates, towards myself, towards the supporters, towards uh, the people who follow us. I tried to be as respectful 
respectful that I could be. Uh, they they could. I always tried to have it in my head, even if I was playing the Olympia coaching on the left or whatever I was playing, uh, always to behave myself towards the people. That the people could not say afterwards, uh, he was an asshole or anything like that. Uh, that was always, I always tried to be friendly towards the supporters. If it so was a supporter who was saying how bad I was or how good I was or whatever, always try to listen to them and behave because they have the right to do it. Uh, but you can't behave badly. And that I've always tried to do. So I think that that's something that I'm very proud of, that I always had a, a, a positive mindset towards the people who, who tried to talk to me. I never refused to talk to anyone. I've always been open to anyone. If it was a Olympiakos supporters or Panathinaikos or Aik or Anderlecht or Bruges or whatever, I always took my time to talk to them. And I enjoy it, honestly. I enjoy it a lot. Per, I wanted to ask you, you briefly brought up a little bit about your, your diet and eating. We ask every player that comes because the diaspora Greeks, the Greeks that live outside of Greece, we have a joke about when players come to play in Greece, they go on what we call the souvlaki diet. But yeah. we were surprised when we heard from uh, uh, Matt Derbyshire and Stelius Yonakopoulos that actually Olympiakos had a kind of regimen for the players. What, not, I don't know the specifics and how strict it was, but more or less watching what you ate, making sure you were eating eating things that were good for you. What was your experience with that what, compared to the programs that you played for as well, other programs, Anderlecht or in Sweden? What was the the dietary focus like for Libyakos compared to them? Uh, I don't remember so much. You have you always do weight, you know. You always have to take your weight and things like that. But you are training so much, you have to have you eat you eat normally what you have. You have the souvlakis, you have the pita gyros and things like that, uh, tzatziki and feta and uh, things like that. You eat it. The main problem that that I maybe had in that case instead of, because it was so warm over there, so you eat a lot of ice cream because it was too warm. So that was the main problem sometimes that you eat too much ice cream. <laughs> you know, yeah, that that was the main problem because you don't you don't eat so much French fries and things like that like you maybe do in the colder countries. Uh, so you eat more ice cream, and that can also, that can also be a problem. <laughs> Chips and mayonnaise in in Belgium and waffles, and in, yeah. in Greece the old uh, pita gyro from time to time in your it, ice cream. Yeah, it, it's a bit different because it depends on the weather. You know, it's the weather. You know, in Sweden you eat pizza because that's that's cold over here. So, and in Greece it's totally different. So you have to get used to it and try to eat. What's the best for you that you can produce what you're there for to play to play soccer? Right. Now, Per, I also wanted to ask, and because you have great insight as a player coming into Greece, what was yeah. the communication like? So you just come to Greece, you have all these different national players from different nationalities on your team. What 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 was it like to try and communicate with the other players? Was it difficult? Did everybody speak English, or did you have to learn some Greek? What was what was it like trying to communicate with other players? 
Some of the plays was very difficult because everyone didn't understand so good the English. Uh, one of my best friends uh, was Christo Kondis. He's still one of my best friends. Uh, I still talk to him a lot. So, and he he is Greek and he speaks very good English, so he can translate sometimes when I was there. So that was he helped me a lot. I have to say, um, great guy. Uh, so it was not always easy, but if you have somebody who can translate for you and that you have confidence in, that you can explain your words to him and he translated what it has to be, then it's okay. But you you try to surround yourself by people that understand your language. That's why me and Christo Kondis becomes very good friends. Me and C. Elias becomes very good friends because we speak English. And then right. me and Christian Carambeu, because we speak French. So uh, those those are the three most close connections that I had with the players in, in Olympiacos. Then if you have Giovanni, that is one of your supporters. <laughs> you know, Giovanni, he speaks Brazilian. <laughs> oh, it was more difficult to speak Brazilian with Giovanni. So you have to translate via C. Elias in that case. Or you have to try to find some Greek words. And as we were speaking bad Greek, both of us. So uh, <laughs> it's not always so easy. I think it's something that we fans kind of take for granted or we don't really consider when players come in. You have fans that just expect, hey, you come in, you need to be able to play and communicate. But a lot of times I don't think a lot of fans and even our own audience members, sometimes even us, the, the podcast hosts, we don't always remember that, hey, you might not be able to communicate. You have to find a way to communicate so that yeah. you can get on the same page. Uh, so it was, I, that insight from you is it's, it's very interesting to hear uh, about how you kind of get around that, those language barriers so that you can communicate yeah. with your teammates. You try to find, you know, people that understand all the language. You know, Christo Condes could speak yeah, English and Greek. So if I wanted to say something to the people who doesn't understand English, yeah, you speak to him and he, he translates to the other ones. If I then now want to speak to the people, you know, like Celias, Giovanni, um, Gabriel Alves was there. You have Luciano at that time. Uh, you know, you have people who, who, who maybe didn't speak another language than their own. So you have to translate, find people that you can translate uh, to, to those people. But you get used to it. So you have a way of communication with everyone. And, you know, some of the people you're closer to than, than others, like, like a normal work. You know, that's, that, that's normal. You have to function together. And the most important is that you can function on the field. And we function very well together. We respected each other. Uh, there was not many big problems in the team. Uh, we have respect for each other. And we did it very well. So that, that's the most important. I think this is a super interesting conversation. And, you know, often you read in Greek newspapers that uh, it's okay. Uh, they speak the universal language of football and they don't need to communicate. They communicate with yeah. their feet. It's not quite that simple. But uh, that's interesting. Yeah, Zay Elias obviously played for Inter Milan, so he had some experience abroad and he yeah. spoke some English. But I didn't know he spoke English, but that's... Uh, yeah, he, he speaks uh, 
a little bit English, and I have still contact with him also. You know, the three people that I have contact with is Condis, Christo Condis, Elias, and Karambu. Those are the three people that I'm still, after 20 years, I have contact with. Super. Um, I think we can get into some fan questions now. We have, yeah, uh, yeah. We've, yep. we've got no quite a few questions that came. We in. do. We have a lot. Uh, so you can get uh, Bill Clay, uh, who is the first one to guess who the special guest is. Um, he had a question for you. You kind of touched on this a little bit already, but he has a bit of a two-part question. The okay. the first part of the question was when you when you were in negotiations with Olympiakos and you were first yeah. arrived, what was Olympiakos's reputation in Europe um, back then when you when you played? And then um, what other clubs back then were kind of on the same level as Olympiakos that you would, I guess, compare at that time? And then if you could, how has the reputation of Olympiakos changed to the best of your knowledge to now? Has it gotten better, worse? What What is your opinion? Uh, I know at the time when we were playing, the most difficult thing that you can do is play against Olympiacos in European Cup games because it was really impossible to win against them in Waka. Because you played against supporters with 75, 80,000 people. And at that time, you had a really good team at that time. And it was very difficult to win against them. It was not often that European Cup teams came to Waka and win. Uh, so I know that the atmosphere with the supporters at that time, I, I know the reputation from Greek supporters, I know the reputation from how difficult it is, how hostile it is to, to players of, uh, when you want to play against them. That I know. And then I have seen that because they didn't show so much Greek football at that time in, in the rest of Europe. So I only saw them in Champions League. Because Olympiacos was in Champions League every time. So every time you, you saw them playing against teams and they always won at home. Or they never lose at, at least. So you know it's that's difficult. How it is now, uh, I think that yeah, of course, now you have the pandemic with COVID-19. It's, it's more easy to play against them because the supports are not there. But, you know, Olympiacos needs the supporters. When Olympiacos has the supporters around him, it's really a 12th man or a 13th man. Yeah, we Without agree. the supporters, it's much easier to beat them. With the supporters at home and the stadium is full, it's really, really difficult to beat them because you you get the crowd behind you and they are pushing you forward. And it, 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 it's a very difficult place to go to. Even if you are the biggest team in Europe or in the world, you can't get anything for free because you're playing against Olympiacos and you're playing against their supporters. And honestly, the first time I played with the, with Olympiacos, the first game that we did because the preparation is rather long, so the most of the other competition has already started. But my first game was against Lyon in Champions League game. And we won that game with 2-1. We consider a late goal, I think. That's because of that late goal that we that were eliminated us. from. Yeah, that cost us everything. 
if we shouldn't get that, we should have been qualified for next round in Champions League. And we deserve to be qualified. But anyway, the first time I went out on the field, I get the goosebumps. So what do you call it? Goosebumps. Yep. In, 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 in English. Because the atmosphere was unbelievable. It was 80,000 people in Nuwaka. And I never had such an atmosphere in all my life. I had goosebumps. So you can imagine if you come there as a visitor and you have to play against them, you say, what is this? <laughs> you you <laughs> frightened a little bit. Yeah, honestly, you get frightened a little bit. That was the impression that I had. To play against these supporters give you an extra dimension, honestly. Before we go to the next question, I just want to piggyback off that a little bit. And and you talked about that season with with uh, Lyon in the Champions League and, yeah. and that bloody last game in in France yeah. with the yeah. disallowed goal, goal the penalty yeah. that wasn't given, yeah. and and we ended with nine points. Huh? Uh, we ended yeah. with nine yeah. points because we had that strong home home record. It was Valencia. We win three games. We win three games. Valencia. Lyon and Heronvain, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So, we did. We did one bad game. Was it away in Heronvain? So this is this is what I want to ask you because you rightly said that whatever club came to play against us, we had that reputation that you're going to come and play us in Greece. You're going to lose. Nobody yeah. can beat us on our home turf. The first team yeah. that beat us was Manchester United in the 2001 season. So. I was a school kid at the time, and I remember my friends were were giving me some some stick the next day. Ah, you guys, you know, you talked about your undefeated record. It's gone now, and I got some some banter from my English friends. But what happened when you guys went to play away? Because you know we didn't win an away game yeah. until Werder Bremen. I think it was I can't two thousand and six. I can't remember, yeah. but it was late. What what? What did you was there something like what happened when we went away to play? It's like it was I, I, I honestly I I don't know. There was something that happened with with the team, you know. I don't know. We 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 were focused on the work that we had to do. We we still were the same players, but uh it was completely we behaved differently on the field. Why we did it? I don't know. I think that uh, we needed the crowd so much behind us. Even if we were playing in 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 away game, we always had a lot of supporters with us. Always, wherever we were going, we always have a fantastic supporters behind us. Always, but I don't know. I don't know why it was so difficult to produce the same way of playing in away game. Uh, I, I don't know. Even that I thought. That we did some good games. I think that the games in Lyon was not bad. We lose one zero for sure. We didn't deserve but to lose that game. No, no but Lyon had a very good side at that time. Yes, they a did. Very good team, uh, and we we played very well over there. Yeah, we I, lose I, one zero, but I, I would tell you a story, Per. I think the yeah. last season you were there, uh, you were with us. We played at Old Trafford. Yeah. We lost four 0 I think Zaylias got a red card. Just before yeah, that time. But we should have scored before that. I, I was at that game. And we were losing 4-0. Uh, and I think we were about five or 6,000 Greeks in, yeah, in yeah. Old Trafford. I remember after, after every goal, the United fans, they used to say, you're not singing anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
they sung that after the fourth goal and we kept going. And I still remember today that the whole stadium just got up and literally started clapping for the fans yeah. at 4-0. We just kept going. But that's a side note yeah, but, for you and the listeners. Yeah, yeah but that, that, that's what I mean. The supporters, you know, when you get the supporters behind you, it, it makes a big difference. And also, in, in, you played against one of the best teams in the world at that time, Manchester United. They were a great side. Before we get the red card, we had the better chances. We had the better chances. We could have scored in, in Old Trafford. Even that they were better than us, I don't say anything. But we started the game not badly. Not like in Herendin, because Herendin, we were crap. But here, you played against one of the better teams and you get a red card after 30 minutes. And that was one of the most difficult 60 minutes afterwards that I ever played, I promise you. I, I don't think I saw the ball. I, I didn't feel the ball afterwards, honestly. Uh, so the next question kind of is still along the same lines here. Yeah. And this is from uh, OliFan1925 on Twitter. And his question, um, I would love to know what happened with Bermudez in the locker room politics. Uh, how how did the team go from beating Bayer Leverkusen six to two in the two thousand two season to playing very poorly after that? Uh, honestly, I don't know because at the same time we had a great team and uh, I I don't know what happened for afterwards. Uh, maybe we got too much confidence because Bayer Leverkusen lost the final the year before, so maybe we thought that yeah. If if they went to the final last year, maybe we are the best teams, and so we were too confident. I I don't know honestly, I have no idea, and uh, I I'm I'm still convinced that Bermudas could have done very good work in Olympiacos. Uh, for me, it's pity that they didn't get enough chances to do it, like he did in Boca, right. because he he was really a fantastic player, honestly, but. You know, I doesn't. I I was not the trainer. I didn't make the team, so yeah. I didn't make the selection. So, um, so yeah. Would you ever consider a a role, an administrative role, or a coaching, scouting role at at Olympiacos? Was a question that's been asked. Uh, they have never asked me in in that sense. Yeah, I was talking a little bit slowly with it with Burke a couple of years. Go, but then I had a role in Underleft, so I was been working in Underleft for for some years. That I stopped um, one year ago now, uh, and they haven't asked me anything to have a role or anything in Olympiacos, so I can't answer it really. But I'm always open for everything. If if there is a demand where if they ask me anything, I listen to it and then I will decide afterwards. It's always an honor to, to work with a team that you have been playing for because you always have a relation in somehow in, in, in that way uh, instead of working with a team that you don't have been playing for because I have always, I always have a heart for one of the teams that I've been playing for. Of course, I've been playing a long time for Andref, so that means that they have a big heart of me. But I have three fantastic years also in Olympiacos where I've won, I think, three titles in two cups. So 
the only thing I lost was one cup final. So that's the only thing. So it's not it's not bad in three years and win five titles. You know, we, we haven't had many Scandinavian players since you left. I think it's... Uh, I mean, Melberg. Yeah. Melberg. Yeah. yeah, obviously, we, we remember you. We remember Olaf Melberg, uh, who did really well at the club. Mm. Um, he's managing now, if I'm not mistaken. And most recently, Omar El Abdelawi, uh, right back from Norway, played six mm. years for us. But we, other than that, I can't think of many. Jimmy Durmaz... Uh, yeah, Swedish, uh, Swedish uh, international also played for us for a little bit. I, I one year, I think. Uh, one year, I think. Yeah, he yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan, I have to say. But he, he did okay, and now I think he's still playing in in Turkey. Um, yeah. Who are, who do you consider kind of hot Swedish football talent at the moment? Who are like maybe some some names that you can drop? Um, obviously, for I think for everybody in the modern the modern game, when you think of Sweden, everybody thinks about Ibra. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. But you know, you have to try to find the players before they become as big as Ibra. And I know that Olympiakos. I can't I can't say what I'm talking with Carabu uh, me what we are talking <laughs> about because we're talking about. Sometimes and they have been interesting in in some of the Swedish players uh, before they went to to other teams in Europe. So they they are on the market. They are trying to find uh, Swedish players. There was a left back we were looking at from Sweden actually, um, yes. but I can't I can't remember his name. I'll try and look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't mention any names because uh, you know I'm talking in, in private with Carl Boo. Sure, sure, sure. So that's uh, the respect that I have with him and the mutual respect. So what what stays between me and him stays with us. Uh, so I'm sorry I can't I can't mention anything. No, of course we understand that completely. Uh, we did have another question. Uh, this is from okay. one of our uh, Greek uh, Finnish listeners. Uh, his okay. name is SZ, uh, at Fetanos on Twitter. And he wanted to know your opinion on uh, Yari Litmanen, the former Finnish captain, national team captain, yeah. and also attacking yeah. midfielder. What were, what were your opinions on him as a player? Fantastic player. He was really fantastic. He, he was not the quickest one, but he, had, he was one of the quickest minds in, in, in that era. Because uh, he... He he was so quick uh, with his head, much quicker than many of the other players, and the career that he did in Ajax was fantastic. He's the best uh, Finnish player in all time, like like the Ibra of Sweden. Serious, he was the same in in Finland. He he was a fantastic player, and, yeah, and I, yeah. I think you 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 said it spot on. He wasn't he wasn't the quickest, but. Any any game you watched when he was on the field, even in in the the later stages of his career, he would just be in the right place. He was such a clever player, yeah. um, and there are players like him are a dying breed. I would say, yeah, de de definitely, because his mind is so much quicker than many of the other ones. Because if you could have his his head in the way of uh, the speed of some players, then you're one of the best players in the world. Definitely. 
because he 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 had it all and he has a good technique also good controls and but the the imagine and the way of playing and things like that and the mindset that he had and he scored a lot of goals and gave him many assists also so fantastic player he was also one of those players that you didn't i mean in today's game you wouldn't know where to put him like a second striker, but can play yeah. striker, can play number ten, could play on the wing. I don't know. He's one again, one of those players that you today you no, wouldn't he, know where to put he, him. He, I think that he 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 yeah maybe is that what I'm saying? Our roles, what we had at that time, is really a role that starts to disappear a little bit. Um, it's it's it is like that. It's pity, but uh, that's. The, the the way that football has advanced in 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 today's football and maybe in five years or in ten years maybe that position will come back because in 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 the fifties and the sixties you were playing a different way of football and then they started to come a four 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 two and then they started three five two and four three three and now you play three four three and you know, the systems are changing all the time. So the way of playing is going to completely change in five years' time. Then you're going to find a system that's completely different than today's football. I, I think so, because it, it's it's changing all the time. Right. Uh, per, I wanted to ask you, when it came to, when it came to the, the team itself, uh, yeah. we always get a lot of questions from the listeners uh, when we have former players on. They always want to know, did Olympiacos feel like a team or a family? Because you have you you have you have players and managers that come in or owners even, and they want they want to make it a family. Some treat it as just a team. What what did you feel like during your three years there? Did Olympiacos feel like a team or was it a, a family to you? And you can uh, you can be completely honest. This is this is yeah, but it it you know if if it feels like a family. Uh, a football club, it's a team. Right. It, it is. It is a team because a family is somebody that you you have a relationship with outside football. Right. Once the training is finished, you have some of your friends, but you you don't you don't see them too much outside of of of, of the way when you're working together with them. That doesn't mean that you don't have the respect and understanding with them. That's completely different. But it's a difference between a family and a team. Yes. Uh, so Olympiacos or all the other football teams that I've been playing is was a team. Even that we had a good understanding together with each other, we had a good, fantastic relationship together. But uh, we were a team, a good, a very good team. I think we're coming to an end. I have maybe one or two more questions. Best memory at Olympiacos, worst memory at Olympiacos. Best, I, I, I think honestly, and uh, I, I know this. The worst was when I was playing like sh that's. Uh, I, I was so ashamed of myself at that time because I was wanting pair. How how can how can you play so bad? First of all, I, I was really ashamedful of of a certain way. Uh, after I started very well in Olympiacos the first couple of months, and then I was playing so bad for, I think nearly a year. I was playing. Sh I was ashamed of myself. 
But I was very proud of myself also because uh, I was signing with Anderlecht to come back to Anderlecht in in January or when I had still six months to play in Olympiacos. I signed uh, because they didn't propose a new contract with me. So I said, I start again at eight. Okay, then then I go back to Anderlecht because they asked me a contract. And I think that many of the people in Greece or whatever thought that, yeah, now I have signed a new contract, he will let go. He will not care anything about us. But I'm very proud of the way that I reacted and I played even better the last six months of, of the contract when I even had signed a contract with a new team. And I finished on a high level. And uh, at that time, uh, I think that I got the respect from many people in Greece because of how I produced my six last months and that we become uh, champion for the seventh time or eighth time in a row champion and we break all the records that we have done before. So that was the proudest moment that I had in Greece. Honestly. I, I actually good. didn't... That's I actually didn't remember that. I didn't remember that you'd signed um, a pre-contract, yeah. but but like yeah. you said, I mean, you said you spent three years at the club and one and a half of it, you said wasn't great, and the other, the rest of it was was fantastic. But but definitely, I I remember, I remember your last six months quite quite well. Like you were playing fantastic football, and and definitely, like you know, seeing you leave, it was sad for for a lot for for all the fans. I think for uh, me as well. Absolutely, like I think all the fans had a huge amount of respect for you, and um, I can't I can't remember if it was that season when they had the um, the presentation of the cup in Bireas in the in the port, and you came out with the camcorder. Yeah, yeah, that and... that was when we were champion. You know, there was hundred thousand people or something was over there, and that was one of the you know I really felt respected. You know by the supporters and that felt really really well I was really proud of myself that Opa you did a fantastic job the people respect you you have won titles but mostly the people respect you and that for me was the biggest win because after one and a half year the first one and a half years you know I was criticised and think, and rightly so I don't, I don't say anything because I was playing bad and I'm the first one to say it. I was uh, understand that the people on, ask why is he playing with us? Uh, why did I buy him? He is crap. But the way that I was working the last 18 months, that I won them back, and that I was so respectful, that was the biggest success that I had. One of the biggest success that I had in my career, really. Honestly, because I was working very hard to come back. That's um, amazing, ma'am. Yeah. I, I, I have one more question before I hand over to Ari. And yeah. thank you yeah. so much for spending so much time with us. Um, yeah. If there's one game you would play again? The Super League game, Panathinaikos. Okay, so you'd like to... Okay, so it's not a match that you necessarily lost and would like to play again, but no. you'd like to play yeah. that one again. Yeah. Yeah, it was so... So fantastic with everything. The build-up to the game and uh, the atmosphere. Uh, we win 3-0 and um, I had a good game also. So 
that was uh, no, it was fantastic. We that's were, excellent. We were, we were really yeah. on the moon, and yeah, it was nice. It was nice. That's a, that's excellent. I, I I don't know if you like in in Greece. That's still a controversial game. You know they. The yeah. opposite, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like if you yes. talk to any Panathinaikos fan, you know they've they've talked to Karagounis, for example, and you know Karagounis said like impossible to play. They didn't they didn't have a warm up when they came out yeah. because yeah, the, uh, the police couldn't uh, they couldn't guarantee their safety is is what yeah, what uh, what's being said. And I mean, anyway, it was a it was a crazy game. Um, it was it was hostile. Um, mm. Yeah, and probably was a bit too much i can understand but but anyway it was interesting that you 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 know your your response was thinking in a, a positive game so oh, i'd love to play that game again you know and normally normally you ask that question and somebody thinks that game we lost you know in lyon or that game uh, in deportivo 2-1 up and then conceding that damn goal in the last minute but no super interesting that you went you for no that. that because that's a good memory and then, you know uh, the feeling that you had before the build-up, the importance of the game, and things like that. It it, it was a special game, and games like that you always want to play them again because you had a good feeling before the game, during the game, and after the game. So if those games you always want to play again, games that you lose, you try to erase them so you didn't have right. that kind of feeling. So uh, this game. Uh, Panathinaikos game in Rizupoli. Uh, they're still talking, like you were saying just uh, now, that they're still talking about them. And I still remember what you can't remember all the games that you played, of course. But this game, and like we're talking before about the uh, Ike game 4 3 in uh, Waka, those are the games that you still remember, and those are the games that you still want to play again because those are something that affect your way of thinking and the way of the supporters, how they were thinking about those games. And those yeah. games you still want to play. No, yeah, it's it's very refreshing to hear. And it's just, it's very much, your, you, you take a very positive outlook on all of this. And it's, it's very refreshing to, to have somebody that has that outlook on, on their time and their career as a player. Now, I had two questions for you before we begin to wrap things up. We have okay. uh, a fair number of young listeners, uh, some that are part of the Olympiakos Academies here in the United States that listen. Yeah. And we always like to have some questions that kind of will help guide them in their, in their future careers if they seek to pursue college or professional careers. And the first okay. question I had for you was, when you were, let's say, in poor form, uh, in the beginning of your time at Olympiacos, when you said you weren't playing well, yeah. uh, what were things that you did to help get out of that? What were things that really helped you turn from being in poor form and having a bad go of it to then becoming, you know, uh, winning the fans back and becoming a great, you know, one of the best number 10s to play for us? What did you do? What work did you do off the field? How did you get your your mindset correct so that you could get out of that rut? I train extra. I always train extra. Uh, do the basic things that uh, stay longer on trainings, uh, shoot more free kicks, uh, give more passes. Uh, um, that's when you need friends. You, you stay with Carabou extra. You stay with Condis extra. You stay with C. Elias extra. You put a goalkeeper. You start shooting. You start... 
spending more and more times on, on, on the field that you need the basic things, that the confidence come back in the basic things that that you need on the field. And after a while, uh, the mindset in your head uh, get those things and you start to get the confidence back. And I, 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 I try an extra. That's what I was doing. It sounds maybe easy, but you spend hours and hours to train extra. I'm not the guy who who's going to do uh, more body weight, uh, standing in the gym or something. No, I was training extra with the football because that was my game. More passing, controls, uh, shoots, uh, free kicks and things like that to get the basic back, to get the confidence back. Uh, make mm, Having fun on the field. You know, if you don't have fun on the football field, you can never produce uh, a good spectator on, on on the field. And I was starting to enjoy it more and more. Even if I was playing bad, I tried to enjoy it more and more to say, okay, Pep, we go on it tomorrow again and try to be better. And after a while, it it becomes better. So uh, uh, that works for me. I don't say it will work for everyone. But for me, it helped, and I, I I become better with it. I learn a lot from it. So. Now, the second question I had for you is, and this is more general. Um, okay. What advice? What advice would you give to some the, these younger listeners, the 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 ones that have these aspirations, maybe even professional aspirations? What advice would you give to them? Maybe things that you did that you think really helped. Uh, push your career, things that you did that you believe may have really helped when you initially got first noticed by Anderlecht. What would you, what advice do you have for them if they, if they really want to be a professional football player? What would you, if, what would you tell yourself if you could go back in time and talk to yourself as a young footballer before you went to Anderlecht? What would you tell yourself? The most important is that you always have to have fun on the field, have an enormous pleasure and and always try to realize your goals, what what you put up for yourself. Uh, you know, work hard. Uh, uh, always try to do your best. You know, it's not because you do one bad game or two bad games that you're useless. Everyone comes in that, except if you're Messi or Ronaldo or something. They don't come in the way that we others, normal persons, come in. You're always coming bad, but always believe in yourself. Have fun on the field and uh, make the best of it. And always do the best that you can, that you don't say once when you stop your career and say, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that better or anything? That you don't have any regrets one time your career is stopping. Because having regrets afterwards, you will never be able of changing it. So always play your career like this, the last thing that you can do, because having regrets is the worst thing you can have. And I have definitely no regrets because I did some bad games, and I did some good games, and I never regret it afterwards. My decisions that I took coming to Olympiacos, I never regretted for one time. And I will always do the same choices that I did. Uh, and I'm very proud of it. So 
have fun, enjoy it, and never regret the choices that you do because that's a part of your life. And I, I, don't, I don't say that I am right or, or, or wrong, but that worked for me and uh, I hope it will work for somebody else. So enjoy, enjoy it, have fun. Uh, if you don't have fun, it will be difficult to 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 produce uh, a good career. I think that. But the difference is in today's football, in in our football, is that that is so much more money in today's football than it was yeah. in, in 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 our time. So I can understand it. It's even more difficult maybe today to have so much fun that we had. I think so. Yeah, and it's really important, everything you said, because there are a lot of similarities between what you said, what Matt Derbyshire said, and what Yanakopoulos said. When you were talking about getting out of your, you know, out of your, your rut or your, your, let's say, your bad phase of play, uh, what you said, what Yanakopoulos said, and what Matt Derbyshire said, all the same thing. You have to put in the work. Uh, Stelio yeah. called it sacrifice. You know, you yeah. could have just ended training and gone home and, you know, relaxed, but you put the time in, you wanted to get better and you put the extra time in. It's the same thing that, that Matt Derbyshire said. It's the same thing that Yanakopoulos said. So not just for the young listeners, but for all the listeners, if you want to have that success, you have to be willing to put the time in. You have to be willing to put the extra work in. And the second part is equally as important, if not more so. You have to love what you do. Yeah. Stelio said the same thing. Matt Derbyshire said the same thing. He, he talked about how he loves, he's loving his football. And if you don't love what you do, it's going to be very difficult for you to want to keep, you're not going to want to put the extra work in. When you love the game, when you love to play, when you know when you love whatever it is that your work is, you want to do more with it. So if you don't love the game, you don't love playing it, it's a very difficult thing for you to to succeed at. That's just yeah. that's just the nature of it. Um and uh that's very insightful. And I'm hoping that all the younger listeners, well, all the listeners in general, are beginning to see some of these similarities that all of the former players like yourself have said that were kind of keys to their success because we we have way maybe some different ways of putting it but a lot of it comes down to those same two things that hard work or sacrifice and and the passion the enjoyment of the game all of that is both of those are very important if if you want to ever even hope to become a professional footballer yeah it is definitely it's so much sacrifice you know when I was growing up, you know, my mindset when I was young, and I'm talking young when I was 15, 16, 17, you know, I did a lot of sacrifice when the other ones was going out on discotheques and out drinking or having fun. What were I doing? I was training. I was training because I want to become a professional football. So I, I did a lot of sacrifice. The funny things that the, mostly of the young people are doing I couldn't do because I, I was planning my career, uh, but I didn't regret it afterwards because I gained it on having fun on the field. That was my fun. So I would never regret the sacrifice that I was doing to have my career. I, I could do it over and over again because 
the most, the funniest thing that I could ever have was playing football. And if I could do it today, when I'm 50, play football, I should sign it today again. And I would love it to be out on the football field to play a football game again, without any doubt. I could pay so much to do it again, because that's the best thing there is, playing football. Honestly, there's nothing who is more fun than that. Uh, not for me anyway man it's been such a joy talking to you today I, my we, pleasure we could continue for for a long time i feel <laughs> absolutely uh, but 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 we'll let you get back to your your family get your rest it's yeah. getting late um yeah. tr truly um it's been it's been a fantastic uh, discussion uh with you thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to speak with us uh, i think for, for us, uh, as Gate 7 International Podcast and for all the listeners, I think it's, it's crystal clear that not only were you a model professional footballer, but just as a person and from, from other discussions we've had with former footballers and, and with Stelio in particular, you know, everybody says like, Pear's a great guy. And uh, thank you so much, Pear. Like if, if there's anything that, you know, a message that you'd like to send to the listeners, to the fans, uh, anything that you would like to to promote uh, via the podcast? Like now's uh, now's your opportunity. Uh, I don't know what else I can say. Uh, you know, I had a fantastic three years in Olympiacos, and you know, I made so many good friends. And uh, I, honestly, we we. we even today, when I go on vacation in Greece, you know, uh, we still feel at home because I still, what, what I like so much about it is that three years meant so much, only, not only for me, but also for my family. And uh, it meant so much for the people. And I love it. Uh, Olympiakos is one of my teams that I love so much with Anderlecht. Under from Olympiacos is my two teams that I love so much and that I always would look backwards with so much pleasure and love. And I love to be back one day when it's possible to come back after this pandemic that we are living <laughs> in. Uh, I would love to come back to Kariskaki and, 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 and watch a game again. I would love it. Uh, I hope to be back there, and I would love to to see you guys uh, in 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 Greece and to enjoy one good football game. Oh, that would be wonderful! Can that would be epic. Hang out, that would be fantastic. We would love that. Yeah, yeah, I would love it too. And our younger co-hosts, I'm sure they would love to hear your words of wisdom as well. They're going to hear it on recording. Uh, I wish they were born a little bit earlier so they could have witnessed your time at Olympiacos as well or at least be because they were probably what eight years old maybe eight seven eight years old probably not too aware of themselves back then but I know they would have loved it I know that they would have loved you as a player as well and uh hopefully we can all travel soon this will be done the vaccines yeah. will be out and this will go away and we can all go back travel it'll be a lot easier uh that would be a wonderful, wonderful time. Well, thank you again, Pear, so much for joining us. It was an honor talking to you. You're a legend. 
And it was really wonderful to have you talk on the podcast and give us a lot of insight in your time, as well as some insight for the younger listeners. I, I really think they're going to appreciate all of that. My pleasure. It was, I enjoy it. You're two, go, two, two great guys. It was, I had so much fun. I had so much fun, honestly. I love um, talking I, about football. So. It's, uh, we, we've been blessed as, uh, as fans to have seen some amazing players play for the club and not just uh, you know, my generation, Irish generation, the younger guys that you didn't get to meet today that didn't get a chance to see you. But you're, you're up there. You're up there with the greats that have played for the team, whether it's a Rivaldo or a Giovanni or a whoever, like Karebeb. For, for me, you're for me, you're top, man. And I really genuinely enjoyed talking with you. Take care, man. Good luck. Bye-bye.